0: Hi, my name is Carmen, and I am an early childhood special education teacher, a life and ADHD coach, and I'm the host of this podcast, Authentically ADHD. I created this podcast to help anyone wondering if they have ADHD, people who have been diagnosed for a while, and want some more support and community i'm here to bring you the latest research on adhd and neurodiversities while we talk about the good the bad and the ugly of adhd are you ready let's get started hi there and welcome back to the podcast i am really happy that you pressed play today especially on this episode Because it's a big episode. I want to just thank people right now. I really want to thank you. Whether you've been here since the beginning. You're a new listener. You're an in and out listener. I appreciate you so much. Because I know that you have a ton of choices that you can choose from. There are so many different podcasts. And your time is super valuable. So... Let's get started, shall we? (laughs) The title of this episode is a little broad. The whole, what if you're not the problem? And it's broad because oftentimes when you grow up being neurodiverse in a neurotypical world, you do feel like the problem. Now, I do need to insert a trigger warning right here, right now. If you are not ready to listen to a podcast that has, um, information about trauma, information about childhood, um, and things like that, then please take care of yourself and you continue to listen, turn it off, pick a different episode, but I just want to warn you that trauma is going to be talked about in this episode, okay? So there is your trigger warning. So when when we're neurodiverse in a neurotypical world we feel like the problem we may feel out of place like all the things are our fault and it's blamed on the things that are your neurodiversity things like being late not being able to remember everything about a certain topic or person um Just, in general, being socially a little bit awkward, quirky, different. This is a developmental process, and part of it is self-trust. Part of it is acceptance. And these are the things that help you own who you are, and truly accept who you are, and know that you're actually not the problem all the time. See, even when the problem is your fault, you take ownership without shame and you don't keep bringing it back up and ruminating on it. That is called healthy guilt. We want to feel guilty about certain things. When we cross our own boundary, when we do something that doesn't align with our boundaries, or just when we do something or say something that is hurtful degrading or emotionally unsafe to the other person we want to feel healthy guilt about that but we're not going to sit here and shame ourselves because somebody else is telling us that we're the problem what our neurodiverse brain does is it takes on what other people's emotions are when we think we are being perceived as wrong or basically not typically developing. It has to do with the way our brains work, and it has to do with how we grew up, how we were treated, what was modeled for us, and what was said and or not said, and really honestly how emotionally in tune and self-aware your caregivers actually were. I do get some confusion when I mention that when you're neurodiverse, that you likely experienced trauma in your life. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about trauma like one big bad event happened, like a car accident, a fire, <clears throat> or being physically abused consistently as a child. Those are things that are called big traumas. Traumatic events that happen in your childhood that affect you now. That type of trauma is still valid, but we, aren't, we don't always think about it that way. When you think about trauma, it's not only those big things that can happen. We don't always consider the small traumas that happen over and over and over again. When there is one small trauma, such as being bullied and then not being validated in your emotions by a caregiver not being understood by the people you grew up around and growing up as a neurodiverse person in a world made for neurotypical people is all little traumas that continue over time. This causes CPTSD. Think about it. It's not like a huge trauma where somebody is stabbing you with hard force, with something sharp and big to hurt you and possibly possibly kill you. I mean this is like the weirdest metaphor I have thought of is probably because of all of the crime true crime stuff I've been listening to but also it has to do with the way that we describe the small traumas so which is death by a thousand paper cuts because little traumas and CPTSD is caused by each of those paper cuts. After, you know, there are over a thousand paper cuts, you are harmed, but you aren't, you're not likely to actually die, (laughs) like you're not going to actually die. So this very weird metaphor that I have laid out shows why we don't consider those little traumas as traumatic. But imagine every time you forget, run late, you're impulsive, you get a paper cut. You will now associate those things and the results of those things with negativity and with shame. And with thinking of yourself in a way that's not healthy. And this creates complex post-traumatic stress disorder. See PTSD. So your ADHD or whatever neurodiversity you experience is in your brain now associated with a problem. We internalize these things as we grow older, which then makes us feel like we are the problem all the time. I just want to put another disclaimer in here that I am not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a medical health professional. The information that I share on this podcast are things that I've learned through my treatment, my therapy, my coaching program, my experiment, my experiences, my um, coaching like about 100 people with ADHD and other neurodiversities and with the information that I have because I am an early childhood educator I do have a lot of knowledge about the development of a child's brain although I am not a medical professional so if you are in need of more support please contact your medical provider. Speaking of extra supports, I just wanted to tell you all that I've updated my Patreon page to include all of the resources that I've really ever made to be held in one place. Just head to my show notes. Um, The VIP members do get a little extra, um, but you can also purchase like my brand new Ultimate ADHD Journal and Planner which I've been using for the past year that has worked. Um, Nothing is priced over $10 and everything is at least 50 to 100 pages that you can download and print you can get it to bind it and sent to you or you can just read it off your screen and use notebook paper. So if you want or need any type of that kind of extra support, just head to my show notes and click the Patreon link to join. I hope to see you in there. Alrighty, let's get back to the content. A lot of this has to do with the lack of self-trust that we have because we've never developed it as we should have throughout childhood. Let me back up a little bit. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. When you think of self-trust, trusting yourself, what comes to mind? What does it mean to you? If you were to ask me maybe a year ago, my answer would sound a lot like, trusting myself is trusting that I will do what I say I'm going to do. If your answer kind of sounds similar to that, I'm about to blow your mind. Because that's not self-trust. That is living in perfectionism. Self-trust is actually knowing yourself and truly understanding yourself. It's being able to validate your experiences and believing that it's true. Believing yourself. Your experiences and your emotions. And knowing that no matter what happens, no matter what you do, you will always be there to take care of yourself. This, this information that I learned through my coaching program, therapy, focused, personal development, and reading the book um, Healing the Shame that Binds You by um, James Bradshaw. Um, I think that's his name. If it's not, I know that I have it linked in one of my other podcasts, but just search Healing the Shame that Binds You and it will pop right up. It really opened my eyes to this and really helped me understand that sometimes, and actually a lot of the time, I'm not the person who's the problem. I'm not the thing that's the problem. I'm not the problem. The problem is that I don't fit into a particular neurotypical box that someone expects me to. Now if you don't have self-trust, it's actually really not your fault not your fault at all. You are not the problem here. Why? Because self-trust is a developmental process that happens in childhood. It should be modeled by our caregivers throughout childhood, and when you grow up being neurodiverse in a neurotypical world, it's so much less likely that you were validated, mirrored, understood, and empowered as a child. Now, this is not a blame game. Whether you grew up in a healthy family system, a toxic family system, or anywhere in between, this developmental process can be underdeveloped or not developed at all. Because even if you did maybe develop some healthy self-trust as a child with your family, caregivers, and in, within your family system, going to school As a neurodiverse person in a neurotypical world, that can erode self-trust. Having certain experiences in adulthood like jobs, friends, and anyone else who may try to shove you into their ideal, typical box can erode your self-trust. I am an early childhood special education teacher, so we learn about the development of the mind from birth to about 10 or 11 years old. And here's the thing, as kids and babies, we are conditioned to believe our caregivers and put all of our trust in them. Think about how a baby develops like knowing their wants and needs. They cry when they're uncomfortable and the caregiver comes over and they find out what the baby needs by trying different things. And then this helps the baby associate what uncomfortable feeling they're having with the need that they want to meet right they can't meet it themselves so an adult has to meet it for them this is a form of teaching basic needs the child will associate the uncomfortable feeling of hunger with being fed or being soiled when being changed and when they are in need of love when they are held, rocked, and snuggled. And then you, I don't know if you've seen the experiment online where the mom smiles at the baby and all these things interactive, and then just goes cold face and the baby tries to get their attention. That's called mirroring. The first thing that the parent is doing, smiling at the baby and the baby's smiling back and cooing. Putting that straight face on and giving no reaction, that's kind of what it looks like as we get older and experience new and bigger problems and needs and emotions. The caregiver would ideally mirror the child and validate their experiences and emotions and give them love and understanding. But here's where some of the self-trust like, can be built or eroded. Being neurodiverse sometimes makes a person seem quirky, weird, or different. In school, this may be where some of our traumas happen. For example, you are bullied for this thing. You know, you're bullied um, for something that you are quote-unquote obsessed with. And it happens to be your special interest. Um, For me as a kid, it was reading the Harry Potter books. But because the other kids perceive it as weird, babyish, or different, they tell, usually, young kids are not very um, sensitive, they will tell you if they think you're weird or a baby. And we internalize this. And if we are not validated by a trusted adult or caregiver when we express that we feel hurt about this bullying, and instead we're told that this is how the world works, or life's tough, get, get over it. Like, you know, lifestyle, tough, get a helmet. This creates cognitive dissonance because our emotions do not match the, what the adult is saying. We are overreacting. We're being too sensitive. We're being too much, not enough. We're taking it too seriously. And as we grow, guess what? So do bullies. In my opinion, most children that are bullies, just grow up to be adult bullies. I've personally experienced it. So when we are told over and over again what we are doing is wrong, that we are weird, that we don't care, that we're lazy, stupid, or crazy, etc., we internalize these messages and start to actually believe it. Because the more we interact with the people who don't understand us, say we are wrong because we don't fit into their box of what being a human is, we eventually adopt the idea that we are just always the problem. This erodes self-worth, self-trust, and all of these things. Now, there are great strides being made for children, especially in schools of inclusivity of all different abilities, cultures, beliefs, etc. As I've grown, I've noticed that there are not many inclusive places for the neurodiverse as we get older to work, hang out. It's almost like a lot of the population still believes that you grow out of these neurodiversities. So as an adult, we aren't offered the accommodations. We aren't offered these things that children are offered, and we aren't given the kindness and validation. We have to often fight for them. And sometimes, when we do, and we get the accommodation or even just attempt to, we are judged. We are perceived as a worker who is lazy, who's possibly crazy, and or stupid. This is why a lot of people choose not to disclose their mental health status with employers or some coworkers in fear of being judged, being bullied. Like I said we were as children you know because kids who were bullies as kids just really grow up into being grown-up bullies especially if they don't heal themselves because they're bullies for a reason I can feel sorry for your trauma but I can't I don't feel sorry for the things and the ways that you're going to treat me now as an adult because you're choosing to do that um and here's here's the other thing They may not say these things to your face as an adult. You know, kids are super honest. But as an adult, they say things or they think of you as less and they gossip about it in the workplace or your friends gossip about you. Let's be honest. It usually makes its way back to you. It makes its way back to the person that they're talking about. And again, this is eroding self-trust as you grow up your self-worth and your self-esteem we are not the problem here I really want you to understand that we are not the problem because our brains are wired differently we live life differently we're not less because we're different but we think in different ways we have to use strategies that a typically developing person looks at and thinks this is unnecessary this is weird this is unneeded The problem is the lack of inclusion for the neurodiverse adult. Your neurodiversity is not the problem. Most of the time, the problem is the perceptions of others, their actions, and how it shows that they don't understand and don't care really to even try. This is why the way that you think about yourself, the way that you feel about yourself, matters so much. This is one of the biggest reasons we improve our internal self-talk is to speak to yourself in ways that you weren't spoken to as a child or growing up. It's to validate your emotions and your experiences and what you actually want. A lot of people who are neurodiverse, especially if we were undiagnosed growing up, but even if you were diagnosed. We grow up masking to look like the people around us, and what that does, in a long-term sense, is it erodes our identity and we don't know who we are. So it really includes learning about yourself and knowing yourself and understanding yourself, knowing what you really want and who you really are. There is no shame here. Like, you need to drop the shame. Because internal shame is toxic, and that's where our lack of self-trust grows. Um, (laughs) Toxicity loves shame, so please, please start to drop it. Start noticing the inner voice and understand that it's not you. Those voices, those inner mean ass voices are not coming from you. They're coming from others. You learned them and you adopted them as you grew up, because that's how child development works. Start becoming more self-aware of how you talk to yourself, and if you're super mean to yourself, start changing that voice to be more kind, understanding, and validating. I have quite a few episodes on like why it matters, what we could say to ourselves, and all of those different things. This work is the deepest so it pairs well with therapy and or if you don't have access to therapy a very good trauma-informed coach because this stuff doesn't happen overnight because we are building new neural pathways in our brains they have been there for a lot of our life I'm still working on this myself I mean I am to the point where I know that I'm not the problem and I don't talk to myself the way that I used to, because that was super unhelpful. I used to call my mor- myself a moron daily. I used to talk to myself in such mean and degrading ways. And I've gotten to the point where I don't do that anymore. I validate my emotions, my wants, and my needs. And I talk to myself with kindness, compassion, understanding, and validation. Honestly, it truly feels like this was the work that I was missing. In doing this work, in therapy, and in my coaching program focused, I noticed that I'm really truly starting to finally accept myself. I'm finally understanding myself, and healing my inner child has shown me that I can improve in any area that I want. And I want that for you. I understand why my brain works in the way that it does, and I validate the ways that I need to work with it, because I want to work with my brain instead of working against it, and I want that for you too. Hey, ADHD, here. are you looking for more support with your brain? Do you crave community with people who understand you? You should really check out Focused, the group coaching program I am a part of that is for adults with ADHD. It's made and run by none other than Kristen Carter of the I Have ADHD podcast. I've grown so much by being in this program, using the tools, and being in the community for over a year now. If you use the link in my show notes, we both save money on this or next month's um, cost, so I think it's worth it. Go check it out at IHaveADHD.com slash focused. or hacks for this type of work. It's truly becoming a person who believes in him or herself, who validates his or her own emotions and experiences and wants and needs. Remember, other people's thoughts and emotions about you are none of your business. I'm going to say that again because it's super important Other people's thoughts and emotions about you are none of your business especially if those thoughts and emotions are negative there's no use in knowing there's incredible value in knowing yourself validating yourself and understanding yourself because then you will find new people who are willing to do that too people who want to understand you truly want to create a safe relationship with you in which no one is ever the problem. You both respect and seek to understand and validate one another. You're truthful with one another in a kind way. Okay, my friend, this episode was super deep, so be sure to take care of yourself today and always. Okay, the things that you learned the things that you took away make sure that you give yourself some space to heal some space to feel the emotions okay and as always reach out with any ahas or things that you want to know more about there's actually a space to do this on spotify um under the podcast episode if you want to be anonymous you can choose that option or you can just get in contact with me through my Instagram or my Facebook or my TikTok. All of them are linked in my website. Don't forget that I have built a private ADHD community with a ton of resources that you can use in conjunction with this work. Just go to patreon.com authenticallyadhd authentically ADHD. That's patreon.com authenticallyadhd authentically ADHD. It's also linked down in the show notes. That's all I have for now, my friend. Stay authentic, and we will talk soon.